0: Hi, my name is Jason Back. I'm the store leader in the Fargo Shields store, and you are listening to the Shields Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. Your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson and today we're joined by Fargo store leader Jason Mack. If you've ever been in the Fargo store, you may have seen him walking around helping customers and making sure everything's in order. And if you received our latest hunting sale catalog, you can find him in there teasing at a story about his elk hunt last year, which is what we're going to dive into today on the podcast. But let's get into the introductions first. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Can you give us a little introduction and describe how you started with Shields along with your current role? Hey Mike, thanks for having
0: me on. Um, So yeah, a little background. I grew up in a smaller town in Wisconsin. Um, Fortunately, my grandpa had a thousand acres. um, And so he got me into hunting pretty early, just ride around in a vehicle most nights with him and uh, just look for whatever we could find. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, uh, deer hunting is big. It's kind of like a state holiday during the deer gun season. Uh, we had a camp of probably 20 to 25 guys, um, that hunted with my grandpa. And so, uh, it was pretty fun, but, so I started squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, turkey hunting, deer hunting, doing all that type of stuff early on. Uh, I got into bow hunting when I was about 13. Um, and I got a story for that we can come back to later. Uh, if we have time, but fast forward, I ended up going to college, uh, started in engineering, finished with a business degree, uh, started working at Walmart for a short time, uh, right after I graduated, um, really wasn't enjoying what I was doing. One of my friends worked at Shields and said, Hey, if you, if you really want to learn about business, just come and give it a shot. And so that was back in 2001. Uh, I started as a baseball softball, uh, manager did that for about a year, became an assistant store leader, got in the store leader training program, and then um, worked in that store until 2008. I moved to the Fargo store, finished up my training, and then I went to Eden Prairie for a couple years. Then I went to Great Falls, Montana for about three years. I was in Springfield, Illinois for five years. And then we recently moved back to Fargo uh, to run the store on 45th Street um, in 2019. So... Okay, so kind of you've been around the block down. a little bit. Yeah, coming up on my twenty-second year, so it's been going good. Awesome.
1: Well, we're glad to have you here at Shields. I
0: yeah, appreciate it. So,
1: yeah, the you know, as far as getting started with hunting, you know, it's, it seems to be a similar path to a lot of people that are really into it, whether it's you know through their family or through their friends. So. Pretty cool to hear you had quite the hunting group right away. Do you guys have any certain like traditions you do on a yearly basis? Do you still go back and hunt with them?
0: I don't now. Um, My uncle owns the land and they still have a pretty good group uh, that goes back. Like I said, I started um, bow hunting when I was 13. Um, My mom's boyfriend at the time fortunately bought us a bow and I started shooting. And I just remember asking her one one day, I said, hey, can you just Drop me off at the this field and come back and pick me up at dark. And so I walked down, I climbed up in a tree, uh, no tree stand or anything, just kind of sat on a limb and started snowing. I didn't really have that uh, thick of a jacket on. And so I'm freezing, shivering. All of a sudden here comes this little four point buck across the field. Super excited. He, he ends up walking right under my tree. I go to draw back and and I couldn't pull it back for anything. I was so <laughs> stiff, and I it, the bull wouldn't come back, and I'm pulling as hard as I can. And so the deer walks off, and I'm kind of dejected. I'm sitting there, and about 10 minutes later, I looked to my left, and he had come back. He circled around, and so he's coming under my tree again. This time, I, I pull and pull, and now I'm a little heated up after being excited there. I get it back, and I look through my peep, and as soon as I saw Brown, I let it fly. It I ended up hitting him in the neck, uh, ended up getting him, but that was my first kind of experienced the bow hunting. And from, from that point on, I just kind of went down the archery path. So I don't gun hunt a whole lot. I I did it when I lived in Montana just for something to do during the season, but, but yeah, so I haven't been back to Wisconsin during the gun season for quite a long time, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of had a similar start to my archery stuff too. I think I picked it up probably 14 or so and yeah, walking out I I didn't even make it to my stand yet. I was pretending to be a deer walking, you know, like (laughs) offsetting my steps and whatnot and hitting my grunt tube. And all of a sudden this six pointer comes walking by and he read the script and, you know, he looked away. I pulled back and I saw Brown and shot my arrow and it went like three feet over his head and sailed into the abyss. I, I have no idea where that arrow even went, but, you know, I was hooked after that. It's just... Instances like that, you know, like those first experiences, like, wow, I never would have imagined it was as cool as that. just gets you hooked. Yeah. Yeah. You can't
0: replace the close encounters and just, you know, how intense it gets right at that moment. It's pretty
1: Mm -hmm. awesome. Absolutely. So, I mean, we love hearing stories, telling stories on this podcast. So now you you got me interested. I just want to hear the story you hinted at. So just dive into it, man.
0: As far as growing up? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Just when I first started archery hunting, it, that, you know, that experience of just saying, hey, mom, can you just drop me off in this field? <laughs> of just going down and just climbing up on a tree. So, um, but yeah, I've been, again, from that point, I've done antelope hunting. Uh, we try to do spot and stalk with a bow. And so um, we decoy quite a bit, done that, went to Canada, um, bear hunting in the past, obviously deer hunting. You know and, and doing turkey hunting too growing up so mm-hmm. and then really got into elk hunting i went in i went to elk hunting i think it was 2002 to 2003 uh myself and just a couple friends decided we're gonna go to idaho some whitetail hunters and we're gonna go to idaho elk hunting we didn't really have a clue what we were doing we we're just kind of walking around in the through the woods um my two friends ended up shooting spikes uh i didn't get anything and then kind of took a a break, and then when I moved to Montana in 2011, I just I got back into it again, and I've elk hunted every year since then. Okay, nice. Would you would you call
1: elk your favorite animal to hunt then?
0: Yeah, now for sure, um, for sure, elk. I'm, I'd like to try to get more into mule deer hunting, but for sure, elk's kind of the driving force year after year. We we try to put in uh, in multiple states so we have some options or, or gain points. Um,
1: but for sure everything kind of revolves around that elk hunt. Mhm, yeah. And if you haven't been elk hunting, it is it is so incredibly fun. You know, I I haven't gone a lot. I've gone twice, you know, but uh both the times it was it was our tree elk. And you know, I grew up in Minnesota, you know, woods and field edges and flatland and stuff like that. And you know, the the first time you go out west and start hunting elk in the mountains like it's pretty humbling. And it's like, okay, I thought I knew what I was doing a little bit when I was hunting. And then you get out there and it's like, wow, this is like a totally brand new world. Yeah. You realize how big it is and how small
0: you are in a quick hurry. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's some definitely things that that can happen. There's also nothing that can replace, you know, kind of being in the middle of nowhere, the silence. And then just when you hear that bull bugle, and especially when it gets closer it's just some feeling it's super hard to explain but once you have that moment it
1: you just want to do that again and
0: again and again
1: Mm -hmm. yep just keeps you coming back and back for more yeah so do you have uh you know in your years of elk hunting do you have any certain tips and tricks for us things that uh you know maybe people that are interested in elk hunting or haven't been a lot can can learn from your experience
0: yeah for sure um you know we definitely the more you do it the more you learn that's kind of with everything in life uh, but i i just made a note of a couple of key things um, first and foremost is just the importance of boots um, you know i think again growing up as a whitetail hunter and you, you walk to your stand you know maybe a hundred yards or a couple hundred yards at the most and so you don't realize how important the boots are and when i moved to montana i, I thought i could get away with it for that first year and then finally i I bought myself a pair of Kenetrex and talk about a game changer. And the thing you got to remember out there, if you're in the mountains or, you know, and it could be mule deer or elk or whatever you're putting on miles. If, if your feet aren't comfortable or aren't working, it's going to affect everything else and how far you can go. So importance of boots. Um, I personally wear Kenetrex. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've tried crispies. It's just a matter of what fits your, your foot the best, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of good options out there. Um, so that's the first thing, uh, Another small little tip with feet is this thing uh this item called Luco tape. you ever heard of that? I haven't so it's it's like the the athletic
1: tape like the white Mueller stuff but mm-hmm. it's it's just Kinda a little like bit that different. second skin style stuff or what
0: yeah similar similar to that, but it's a little it's kind of got a little bit more of a slippery outside, but anyways, we came across that maybe five years ago, something like that and Again, talk about a game changer. So first day when I get out there, I always tape my feet up with that stuff in certain spots, kind of wherever you're going to get a hot spot, typically around my toes, back of my heels, and the stuff will last four to five days, you know. And so depending on how long your hunt is, you may or may not have to swap it out. But I've had
1: zero issues with blisters or anything on my feet since I started using it. So. Really good tip there. Yeah, that's um, definitely something I need to look into. And you are spot on about the boots. You know, like I I haven't done a ton of western hunting, but you know, I'll I'll go out to the North Dakota Badlands and hunt mule deer just about every year. And you know, I'm, I I want to get more into the elk stuff because I I definitely have the itch. But yeah, I mean, get yourself a good pair of boots. You're walking miles and. Um, the worst thing that can happen is like you have a new pair of boots that you haven't properly broken or you got just some boots that aren't quite set up for that. And then you get yourself a nasty blister on day one and then you've got like six more days to hunt and you just like dread putting the boots back on. That's, that's the worst.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And you made a really good point about breaking them in. You know, it, we try to uh, teach that to customers that buy boots and it's easy to think that and all of a sudden time sneaks up on you, but that's so important. You know, make sure the first time you wear the boots isn't the, the first time you're on the mountain because mm-hmm. it'll be it
1: make a big difference. Yep, 100%. So what are what are a couple of other things you don't want to skimp on?
0: Uh, a couple of other things I had was um, just having a windproof item uh, and that could be a thin jacket. Maybe it's a little bit thicker jacket. Typically, I just, it's a thinner jacket. Um, but when you're in the mountains... The weather is so unpredictable. I mean, it can go from perfect to all of a sudden 30-mile-an-hour winds and raining, and having something windproof will go a long ways in uh, just keeping heat against your body. Um, So whatever you use for that piece, but just make sure it's windproof and not just wind-resistant because the winds can get pretty strong in the mountains. Um, Just a couple others, waterproof gear. So quick story, I went on a seven-day hunt uh, in the Bob Marshall And so we took horses in. uh, Guy dropped us off, said, All right, I'll be back in seven days and pick you guys up. And it started pouring about halfway in. It rained for the first three days. And I just had kind of some cheaper rain gear back then, and it was a little bit heavier stuff. And this stuff weighed like 20 pounds after it was wet and never dried out the entire time. And so as I'm sitting back there, I I thought, when I get out of here, the first thing I'm going to do is buy the best packable rain gear I can can find, and so far for me that's been the sick uh, the dew point jacket and pants hmm and what I love about it is it packs up pretty small and it, it doesn't ever leave my pack I mean it's in there all the time because you never know for sure what's going to happen and that can also use be used as a um, windproof um, item, but it's expensive, but I'll tell you every time now I get caught in a quick storm or whatever it is out there i'm always I always got a big smile on my face when I put that on because it's, it's so awesome um, choosing your hunting partners wisely so specifically to elk hunting is probably one of the hardest things you know you will do especially if you're going to try to get after it every day and so being very conscious about who you hunt with i specifically typically hunt with mark knutson and Corey tweeden who are also pictured in that that uh, elk picture in the the ad that just recently came out uh or will come out and everything from just Keeping it positive, just that little extra push. Because by about day three, you, you know, you start your mindset kind of starts going on. and You're like, oh, you see elk way across that uh, canyon. You're like, do I want to walk over there. And if you have the right hunting partners, it makes all the difference in the world. And if you don't have the right partners, it also will make all the difference in the world and kind of ruin
1: your hunt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you really just kind of have to adapt to to your situation there, whether it's the environment or your hunters or whatnot. So, yeah, I have. Um, I hunt a lot with my cousin, Ryan, like we're just, we have kind of the same mentality and you know, like every time I see his, him, you know, pop up on my phone, it's like, Oh, I better have an hour to reserve to just talk about random hunting stuff and strategy and whatnot. And I love it. It's a, you know, it's awesome. But, um, you know, and then we've got other hunts. Like I, I remember taking my father-in-law out on his first elk hunt and I love the guy to death, but he he doesn't quite match my pace, yeah, <laughs> so you have to kind of just shift focus and and what you want to do depending on depending on the style of your hunting partner as well, but you know at the end of the day, it's always just a lot of fun having those experiences, yeah yeah, exactly uh
0: yeah, and then you know just one other tip I've learned over the years is stay committed through the entire hunt. You know, I have a tendency to two days left in the hunt, start thinking about everything I got to do when I get back and work and this and that. And the reason why I love hunting with Mark specifically is he's the type of guy he's going to hunt to the last second of the hunt. And so many times over the years, um, he's made something happen like that, that last hour, that last 10 minutes. And or the last day. And so he's been very good at helping me just get better at just staying focused and hunt all the way through. And, you know, if you start to lose it the last couple of days, you end up wasting two really good days. And Mm -hmm. what you're coming back to is going to stay there. And it's going to be the same. You worry
1: about that when you get back. Yeah, it'll be there when you get back. It's, but you're not going to be out there the whole time. You know, that, that reminds me of a, of a mule deer hunting experience. Like I was out and this one was like a four day hunt and it was like day, day three. And I woke up and it was just rainy and crappy. And, you know, so I was like, okay, these deer are probably going to be hanging tight and whatnot. And it was starting to get towards the end of the day. And I, you know, I'd seen a couple of smaller ones, but definitely nothing I'd wanted to chase. And, you know, almost like to the point where I was ready to give up hope. But, you know, when you're out there, you have to just be in that mindset all the time because I, I came over a ridge and I saw this buck bedded down and I was, I was not expecting it. Thankfully, like I, I still had my game face on enough to be able to just drop to the ground quick and analyze the situation and see what was going on. But um, you know, that was, that was one of the bigger, bigger deer I'd, I'd even seen in the field and I did end up getting close, but couldn't quite make it happen. So the, Story time, are we good with that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So this buck, you know, like I I saw him on the other side of the ridge and then I dropped down, and analyzed the situation. I saw him at like 120 yards and I'm using I'm using my bow and arrow and I'm looking, seeing like okay, the wind is solid. So I'm I'm starting to run out of time. I've got probably like an hour to an hour and a half before it gets dark. And I was like, okay, looking at the terrain, I know I can sneak on this side of the ravine for a little bit. And if I get, if I cover about 40 yards of somewhat sketchy territory, then I can get where he's behind this like big leafy tree and like, he's not going to see me. And then down from there, there's another big bush that's going to cover his field of vision. So it's like, okay, I get there. I have to like gain elevation to drop elevation to stay covered. And I, and I get to that spot where He's behind this leafy tree and he's like, he's bedded looking away, has no idea I'm there. And I get to that spot. So then I slowly sneak to where the bush is behind and like, I'm just at a spot where I can see the tips of his antlers, but he can't see me. So it's like, I know where you're at. You're not moving at all. And I get down and I get behind and I get, and I range this bush and then I range him and there's a 40 year difference there. So it's like, if I, if I can get there and I can still see the tips of his antlers, like I'm in the chips then. So like, I can just, so I sneak my way to there. I'm just looking at the tops of his antlers and then I get to my position. I know I'm at 40 and I know he's like quartering away, bedded down. So it's like, well, I'm just going to wait him out now. So I wait, I wait, I wait. And then it gets to like, it's going to start getting dark. So I'm like, I'm looking at the rise in this hill and like the tips of his antlers and like Man, with this terrain I can sneak to twenty. So I it's like time's running out, I gotta do something, like this deer is not getting up. And I get to twenty and I'm like turning my body to get in position to be ready to shoot. And I see this deer whip his head around and I see I s we lock eyes through the brush here and I'm like well, he's either going to stand or the gig is up. And he stares at me for like about three, four seconds and he gets up. But when he gets up, he's like hard, hard quartering away. And like, I'm pulling back while he's getting up. And then he just turns and runs away. So I was like, oh, that was geez. the most frustrating thing. When I look back, I should have just stayed at 40. Cause I'm, I'm real, I'm confident at 40 yards and I should have just like, I don't know I I looked for a rock to try and get them to like stand up and it was nothing there it was just like dirt and grass and whatnot I should have like moved like a cow or something since we're uh, there's like cattle around in the area but um you know hindsight's always twenty twenty.
0: that's always the toughest challenge oh do I try to get a little closer or do I just settle for what I have man
1: that's yeah that's intense yeah. Well, what, what would you have done in that situation? Would you try to get closer or would you try to alert them? What are what you thinking there?
0: Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, I've, I've made similar mistakes of, of trying to just even take, I'll oh, just get two or three steps and then you end up doing something, you know. So I probably would have stayed at 40 and maybe been a little patient and just seen kind of how it played out. But again, like you said, hindsight's it's 20, 20. Mm -hmm. hard to to say
1: yeah I mean I I wish he would have just stood up in that hour I was standing at 40 yards but that's a a long time to sit there he was too content
0: (laughs) an hour's a long time to sit there and watch him and just be like well I have to sneak up there yeah
1: yeah absolutely so you know we hinted a little bit at uh you know at our sale catalog and and your picture in there so it's a you know beautiful bull elk so you want to you want to tell us the story on that guy yeah,
0: for sure. If I can, let me, let me just come back to one last tip um, because I think it's probably the most important and it's just kind of all elk hunting is so hard. And it's just, if, if I've learned anything over the years, it's just to learn to really enjoy the process of it. I think the first couple of years, even back to when I went in Idaho and then when I first started going in Montana, I was so caught up on the success being whether or not I got an elk and I'm going to try to do everything I possibly can to, to get one. But what I think has changed, especially, you know, the last five or six years is just to focus more on the success being the planning that goes about all year, the conversations you have about what's upcoming and everything that happens when you're actually out there, just the day to day, being out there, not being attached to a cell phone, you know, all the time and the thoughts you have that go through your mind when you're sitting on the mountain. So really looking at, that as a success instead of, hey, if I get an elk, that's just icing on the cake, you know, or if mm-hmm. I get a mule deer or if I get whatever. And it's kind of a hard mindset to have. I've hunted with other people that were, you know, you don't get something and they don't talk for two days, you know, because <laughs> it's like everything relied on that. And it costs a lot of money. And I get, uh, I get that, but if you can train yourself to, to think about it that way, kind of a game changer Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah it's it's always just a better experience when you have a positive mental attitude yeah
0: all right so yeah the elk picture so we had drawn a tag in wyoming and so we had put in um i think we had three points um to to draw that tag and so it was a public land tag um we had went out there and scouted it over a weekend earlier And, you know, obviously I do a lot of studying on Onyx and Google Maps and all that type of stuff and and e-scouting. And to be honest, I wasn't super excited about the area when we went out and scouted it. But then we get out there, set up our camp in literally the first day. I mean, we're a half a mile in and we're already into elk. You know, we hear one bugling and and, uh, we set up and and end up calling. and, And I had a cow that came running past me at like five yards and runs right to Corey, who was calling. And you know, it pins him down at about three yards. <laughs> and so we got this bull that's at like 50 yards and we don't get a shot. And so that's kind of how the hunt started. And really, I mean, it was the best I've ever had. I went on weeks where I don't hear a bugle and this, it was his every day. We were into elk and just interactions and, uh, call back and forth. And Mark missed one the second day, just, you know, messed up at 40 yards. But anyways, fast forward, we get to the last day and, um, we, I was going to head back or, or drive back at noon that day. So we said, well, we'll go hunt in the morning. And the way that we kind of set up the hunt is, um, because there's three of us is we rotate. So for an example, if we do the morning in the afternoon, so if it's Mark's hunt in the morning, he calls all the shots, like he can ask for advice and input, but it's his hunt. So that way we're not kind of bickering back and forth, 30, wishing we would have did this or did that. So, um, and then we have a secondary, and then they basically do whatever the lead person says or goes, you know, wherever they want, and then the caller. So that morning, the last last day, I was the caller. Um, and so it was Mark's hunt. So we start going and again right away, elk are bugling in the morning. They're working their way up the mountain, so we're kind of playing catch up. And we had stopped a couple times, set up, we had cows within 20 yards again no the bulls didn't come close enough and so we keep working keep working next thing you know it's about 11ish and we're almost at the top of the mountain and I was going to leave at noon and so we're probably 3 miles in by now and so I was like well I'm just going to hunt the rest of the day we're going to stay up here so we set up one more time uh had a spike that came that came by and never uh didn't end up getting so we we sit down and we have lunch and uh we're eating and, the, and we're like in elk heaven. Like This is the first time we'd been into this area, and it was like wallows. It was rubs everywhere. I mean, it smelled like elk, so the herd had to be somewhere close to there. But we're eating lunch, and the whole time I kind of catch uh smell of elk, and I'm just thinking uh, maybe it's just because they were here or whatever. So we eat, and then we decide we're going to hike up to the top a little bit further, kind of get the wind in our favor and then just hang out for a couple hours till the afternoon so we we start going we get about 50 yards and these two elk step jump up they were bedded down and they blow out and you know how elk are kind of sounds like horses running through the woods so it's like oh man we just blew it you know and i felt it felt like we blew everything off the mountain you know so Mm -hmm. we keep going we get to the top and get to our spot and we sit we're sitting there for a couple hours and to be honest i'm thinking in my head I should be driving back home. Oh, no, no, I got this. And so again, kudos to Mark and Corey. They kind of brought me back and just, hey, stay focused on what we're doing here. And so we waited till about three o'clock. Um, and then the plan was we were going to work our way across the top of the ridges or across the top of the ridge. And then there was about three drainages. And we were just going to bugle down into each one, see if we got a response. So we get to the first one, set up call. We didn't get any response. Uh, we get to the next one and Mark bugles and boom, one fires off right away. And it sounds like it's close, like 100 yards-ish close. So at this point, it's Corey's hunt. Mark's the caller, and I'm the secondary. So Corey says, hey, I'm going to sneak up here a little further. Um, he you know, said, you go down there about 40 yards. So I kind of worked my way down the mountain. Mark dropped back and started calling. So they're going back and forth. Mark's bugling. The bull's bugling. Mark's trying to cut him off. And you know, kind of another tip, I guess, sidetrack is one thing I've learned over the years too, is just don't be afraid to make more noise. Like when I first started, we were so quiet, you know, cause we we're like whitetail hunters out there. Mm-hmm. Every time we set up the call now, we're raking, we're smashing branches. You're trying to sound like elk. And, um, so they're going back and forth. My heart's kind of racing. And then all of a sudden I catch a, a glimpse of the rack and I'm like, Ooh, that's a pretty good sized bull. And he's coming and he's right below me and he's probably 20 yards this or so but it's it's real thick cover because we didn't have a whole lot of time to get to a spot I just kind of worked my way down and and I was there well he he ends up walking by me about 15 yards and I have no shot because it's so thick and Mark's behind me the wind's perfect it's coming up the mountain so we're in good shape there so I I see the trail he's on and it went past me a little ways and then it kind of cut up towards where to go to mark. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I kind of spin. And then I draw back and I'm thinking he'll just follow that around and it opened up on that spot. Well, he gets past me and is watching this and he's thinking like, what am I, what's he doing? How come he's not shooting? You know, he's right there. And so, uh, I'm at full draw and then Corey cow calls thinking, Hey, I'll try to help him out, get him to stop or whatever. Well, as soon as Corey cow call that, that bull stops spins, looks right up at Corey and he's behind it, kind of a bunch of junk and I'm sitting there at full draw. So I find a little window in there and I'm thinking, just don't hit him in the shoulder. Don't hit him in the shoulder. Cause I've had that happen in the past and, you know, never recovered the bull, but I end up shooting and it's whack. My arrow hits him and it goes in about halfway. And I'm like, no, I, th- I think I hit him in the shoulder, you know, and the bull spins and kind of takes off. And again, another tip and or thing we learned over the years, but we just start hammering the calls right away. So if you're out as soon as you shoot, if you have the the ability to just start calling right away because the bull didn't know what happened, didn't really know what hit Mm him. So he runs maybe 20 yards and stops again. And at that point, I had another arrow knocked. And so now he's about 35 yards. I shoot again, had a clean pass through, looked like a good shot, and then bull runs off. And so... It was raining on and off kind of the entire day. So it starts sprinkling. So now I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh, no, it's going to start raining. And, and uh, so we go, we find my arrows, and it's good blood, and kind of start walking down the trail. And he was only about 70 yards, and he was right there. And so, you know, we're high five, and It was awesome. I mean, again, just to the point, the last day, the last evening, kind of all comes together. And so we end up, you know, we cut him up about – took us about till seven o'clock to kind of get them packed up and ready to go. And we had it three miles back and it was just starting to get dark. So we put the head headlamps on and I'm telling you, it was the hardest pack out I've had because there was blow downs everywhere and it was slow going. Um, we got back to the camp eventually at 1am. And so, I mean, there was, we'd go 20 yards and it was over logs. And I had, it was kind of a funny story, but we tried to get him in one trip, so Corey had a rear quarter, a front quarter, and a back strap. I had the head, the cape, and uh, front quarter, and then Mark had a rear quarter and a back strap and uh Corey was out of water by this point because we had only planned on hunting until noon and uh, <laughs> so we're sharing water and but overall it, it was it was awesome as, as hard as it was uh, again, just a kind of another cool thing but it's pitch dark. It's about eleven thirty at night and we'd stop to take a break and there's bulls just screaming on the mountain. It's like the coolest thing ever. You're looking at all these stars and then um and also, you know, while we were cutting mine up, this other bull just kept firing off and kept firing off. And we're like, Well, you guys both have tags, let's try setting up here. And so we did set up and we got him to come to probably about a hundred yards and then he just kinda hung up. But I was in the process of was cutting that one up. It was it was just amazing. So Boy,
1: that would have been quite a story, like Mid taking care of this elk, you go and shoot another one.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was calling and I'm like, man, I don't really want to call this one in because I don't know how we're going to get him out of here. But
1: Yeah, you already okay. should have left seven hours yeah. ago and now you're, you have to take an elk off this mountain. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a cool story. Gone. It just kind of goes to show that nothing ever quite goes the way that, that things are expected out there. And you just have to, you know, kind of be able to adapt to the situation yeah
0: yeah it was pretty awesome i was i was sore for a week or so
1: after that for sure mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah i believe that so very cool story um you know that now that we're kind of into story time a little bit do you have uh how about a story where uh like your sketchiest time out there scariest occurrence oh yeah that's a good one so um we
0: we're hunting montana uh One morning, and the guy we were hunting with had this old scout. I don't know if you've ever seen those. It's like a, it's a vehicle that you know. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a blazer, like an old blazer. But and so he loved that thing. But so we're driving and we're going to go to the back of this ranch and um, where we're going to hunt. So we're we're about halfway there, and all of a sudden the steering column broke on it, and so now he couldn't steer. So he just stops and we're stuck. And he's like, "Well, you guys just." you guys just go hunt i'll figure this truck out and whatever so mark and i just kind of take off and we weren't we're in the middle of we didn't really know where we were and weren't really getting into a whole lot and so we're at the top of the mountain and we let out a bugle didn't hear anything so we sit down we decided to take a break and we're going to eat lunch and he wanted to take a nap and so um we sit down and mark's sleeping pull up my phone. We have cell service. And so at that point in time, I was playing fantasy football. And so I'm like, oh, I'll set my <laughs> team real quick for fantasy football. We don't have much service over here. So I'm, I'm into my phone and I'm probably looking at it for a couple minutes. And, um, I pick up my head and I look to my left and there's like this basketball staring at me at like five yards away. And I kind of double take, is that a mountain lion? And I'm like, Oh my God, that's a mountain lion. I mean, literally, I'm not lying. Five yards away, so Mark's laying over here sleeping. I'm in my phone, and the only thing I have is bear spray. On me. was, I mean, my bow is I set us over a couple of yards away, so I slowly start reaching my pack just to grab this bear spray. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't get it out of my pack, so I kind of start panicking, and I have this feeling that's just the most helpless feeling ever. Like I couldn't do anything. If he was going to pounce on me, he was going to pounce on me, and that's the way it was. So uh i yelled i'm like hey and he didn't even flinch just kind of that droopy look just kept staring at me and mark heard me yell so mark picks his head up and he sees this mountain lion standing there so he jumps to his feet he's got bear spray i throw my phone and i jump kind of next to him and the wind's blowing right in our face and so i say to him i'm like don't pull the trigger on that bear spray (laughs) because i've accidentally sprayed myself before uh with bear spray and and it's not
1: fun, yeah, it's not a good uh, feeling.
0: yeah. So it's like, don't pull that unless you need to and. And then we kind of stared down each other for a little bit, and then he its he spun and took off. But talk about intense. I didn't know if we were getting stalked. I think he just happened to be coming down the trail and and mm-hmm. was like, Whoa, what is that? You know, and so, but yeah,
1: intense for sure. Oh, that's a puckering moment <laughs> right there, like, I do not want to mess with cats. Uh, like, yeah. that. that is one animal I just, I have tremendous respect for. Because it's like, it, it makes you think about, like, how many are out there that you'd never even see. Oh, for sure. And then, it, yeah,
0: again, I don't, I didn't know if there was multiple of them. You know, I don't know how, if they were, he was following us for a while. You know, you don't know. But I'll tell you, the rest of that day and actually the rest of that trip,
1: I was looking in every tree, looking everywhere. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are the kind of things that don't leave the back of your mind.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. What's your
0: you you have anything like that?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I, I do have a mountain lion story. So this one it wasn't during a hunting trip, it was when I least expected it. You know, I uh I used to work as a whitetail guide out in uh oh just probably an hour and a half west of the Fargo area. So it's like not anywhere near traditional mountain lion territory and it was in like March, so i had I had a five acre bean plot and some bales on the side of it like so they were using it as a wintering grounds, and I had a camera out there, and I was just itching to go get it you know like it was uh, I'd let it run all the way through march, so and there was like there was a lot of snow at this point there was like three foot of snow, so I was out in snowshoes trekking you know a half mile back to get to get my camera and you know like I get there and I'm looking at these bales like oh there's got to be some deer sheds there it's March now they had to have dropped so I'm walking to it and I've uh, I brought a buddy with me and we get to like 50 yards away from these bales and I see this animal slide into the woods and I'm like that doesn't look like a deer holy smokes this is a mountain lion so and the wind was blowing right at him he knew we were there um. so it's like well at this point I mean I'm right by my camera I might as well go grab that so I head over and I grab my camera and I head over to these bales and I see this big imprint in the snow like right outside the bales probably like 15 yards or something like that and I see these drag marks and I go to and I go to the other side of the bales and this cat had four different deer stacked up like cordwood and made a makeshift den and it was was like Wow, I could have been part of that pile. So, oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a humbling experience, and it's like you know, I just I really don't want to deal with mountain lions ever again after that. Yeah, man, I agree. So yeah, pretty crazy stuff. You just you, you never quite know what you're going to run into when you're out there. Yeah, but yeah. So do you have a uh, do you have one last story for us?
0: Uh, yeah, I got one last one, um, two kind of quick ones. The first elk I ever killed, um, again, I had hunted for eight years before I shot my first elk. And uh, Mark and I were dropped in this area in the afternoon, and it was probably 5 o'clock. These bulls were screaming, so the wind wasn't great. It was coming to the end of the hunt. We're like, well, let's just push it and kind of try. And So we get down in there, and we set up, and we start calling him sure enough this bull comes he ends up coming to 15 yards and so i shoot he takes off uh i'm super excited i mean his first one i felt like i made a good shot and so i i walk back and i'm talking to mark and, and this other bull is just firing off keeps firing keeps firing keeps firing mark's like let's just switch spots so he goes exactly to the spot i was standing and i go stay where he was sitting and i start calling and and thinking i nah, just probably isn't going to work, but I'm calling, breaking some branches. And we go, goes about 10 minutes. And all of a sudden I look and he marks that full draw. I'm like, what is he doing? And he shoots and I hear this stick break and his arrow goes flying up. And so I start hammering the calls right away and I hear a bunch of commotion and I see him go to full draw again. And then I hear just whack. He shoots and he shoots one out of the exact same spot that I just was. And so <laughs> the bull takes off and he, he, he watched it bed down and then he comes back and, uh, we had about a half hour to light yet. And two, we didn't know for sure what to do. So we, we get out of there and we just thought we'd come back in the morning and check it out. And so we ended up coming back in the morning and there was uh, about three or four black bears in the area that we had seen. And so we're pretty cautious as we're going down there. And, and, um, we end up finding mine there was a blackberry sitting right next to the bull they hadn't touched it or anything but he was just sitting there when we walked up on it and so then we started tracking marks and you could see where it, it bedded down and then there was a bunch of bear scat all around and so i don't know if he got jumped by the bears or or something but we tracked that thing for the rest of the day and never ended up finding it but having two elk out of the same spot it was pretty pretty intense so yeah that's that
1: wild one. yeah
0: and then uh just last one. So I was, uh, we were elk hunting in Idaho. This was uh, two years ago. And we're glassing, and um, all of a sudden it's like, is that a bear? And we're looking, and then there's a bear. And then right next to it, these two other things. And we're looking, and looking, and it ends up being two wolves. And they're eating on something. And so we watched them for a while, and then the wolves were on whatever it was. And then as soon as they left, then the bears moved in on it. It was a, it was a sound of a cub. And so the next day, we were up in that same area and hiking along. And all of a sudden, um, you know, we kind of can smell like dead elk. And uh, that was right where those wolves were. And they were eating this elk. And I don't know if they had killed it or if somebody had wounded it or whatever the case is. But we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, we see the, this wolf comes by about 250 yards, something like that. And first time I've ever seen a wolf in
1: person. And I just, how big they are is...
0: Pretty amazing. I don't know if you ever seen one.
1: Yeah, I actually saw one this spring uh, when yeah. I was turkey hunting. Really? And, and yeah, yeah, not definitely didn't expect it. It was you know we were setting up doing some turkey calls, and then all of a sudden he comes and he walks straight across this field, and you know like I I thought coyote right away, but I was like God that's a giant coyote, and then I put my binocs up, I'm like no that's a big timber wolf. Yeah, so. yeah, they are they are big. I mean, yeah, I just
0: didn't realize how big they were, So
1: and it was a black one and a gray one. Um, so it was pretty awesome. Very cool. So you got any, uh, you got any hunts coming up you're really excited about?
0: Yeah. So, um, man, we are excited for this year cause so Corey, Mark and I, we all drew a tag in New Mexico, pretty hard draw tag. I mean, we've been trying to draw there for the last five or six years and, um, it's a, it's a unit 34. I think there's only 15 non-resident tags and, You know, somehow we ended up getting three of them. And so I'm super excited. We're under, what, 30, 40 days, 45 days before we leave. And so, um, yeah,
1: definitely getting excited about that. Very cool, yeah, season's creeping up on that. And you know, like, if anybody's interested in doing this, you know, elk hunting or out of state stuff, like you need gear, make sure to, you know, stop by your local Shields, visit shields.com, we got a you know, depending on when you're listening to this, hunt sales launching, you know, this Saturday. And, um, yeah, you know, best of luck with your upcoming hunts. It's been a pleasure listening to your stories and getting some, getting a little added value there. And, uh, you know, don't remember, we've also got a vortex giveaway going on. Um, you know, you can register now until mid September, you can win, uh, an all inclusive elk hunt in, uh, in New Mexico. So where, where you're going actually like not likely not the same zone, but this'll be a, you know, a late season muzzleloader hunt and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you too. You know, one of
0: the reasons why I, I'm still with shield and I just absolutely come loving or love coming to work every day is, um, because of the stuff we sell, I do everything that we sell, but it's because people that we have, and you know, if I like to golf and I can walk around the floor and either talk to customers that absolutely love golfing or our own associates, um, you know, we have plenty of associates who are uh, true experts in waterfowl, in big game. And so, yeah, for sure, if you, if you have any questions or you're, you're thinking about getting into something or maybe you've even done it for a while, just stop in and don't be afraid to start asking some questions.
1: All right. Again, you know, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. You just heard our conversation with Fargo store leader Jason Mack. If you're listening to this segment on its release and have subscribed to our mailing list, you should have a catalog in the mail where you can turn to page 27 and see a couple pictures of Jason and his bull along with his hunting buddies, Corey and Mark. If you're not on our mailing list and want to get free catalogs, send us a direct message on Shields Outdoors Facebook or Instagram and we'll get you signed up. Our hunt sale is running Saturday, September 3rd through the 11th, so make sure to check that out. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future
0: segments and visit our social media pages. Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for
1: daily updates.